Hello and welcome to another episode of Planning People, the NMA podcast. This week we are joined by Cleona Lira, an IFA at Two Plan Wealth Management. She's here to talk to us about the concept of non-violent communication. I say us because we're also joined in the studio by my colleague Ian Horn, who heads Citywise Audience Development Efforts in the UK. Uh, hello to both of you. Hello. Uh, Ian, start us off by explaining how this conversation with Cleona came about and how you yeah. met. So a few years ago I was at the Ethical Investors Association meeting in London and, and by chance started talking to Cleona. And from this conversation, she talked about how she uses nonviolent communication with her clients, which was a, you know, in spite of me having a, a liberal kind of social, social arts degree, I was unaware of this. I'd never come across nonviolent communication before, so I was intrigued to hear how she uses it for clients, um, and I'm sure she can explain it a lot better than I can. So, Cleona, could you kind of go through the things that you f first said to me when we were talking about about this, and, and explain why it's relevant to financial advice? I, I can't remember that conversation, although I remember meeting you. <laughs> but I can have a stab. Yes. Uh, I think what I might have said to you is I discovered, so I have a psychology background, so I'm very mm. drawn to things that can help people communicate better. And one of the most frustrating things I've ever gone through is being in a living relationship with my then fiance, now mm. husband. And we would just keep having these conflicts over and over again and couldn't find a way out. So one day I said to him, look, you are the one with all the problems. I, have, <laughs> I meditate, yeah. Yeah, I meditate, I know psychology, and mm. so therefore you need to fix this and find a solution. And he looked at Amazon and found this book. It was called Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. And of course he never read the book. <laughs> he, left it, <laughs> he left it on the table. Right. And then 10 years later, I'm really into it. And it has helped us stay together and we are really happy. Mm. So nonviolent communication is a, it's a language. It's a process of um, helping people connect to each other's needs. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll eventually bring this round to financial advice and planning. But for anyone listening, obviously, it's also great for your relationships too. So stay tuned. Maybe that can help Ian and I. You know, yeah. We've had a few tests lately. Okay. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he thinks Tesco is better. I prefer Sainsbury's. You know, lunch breaks are getting a bit rough, but still. <laughs> Anyway, back on to the planning. So NVC, what are the kind of core tenets of it? How does, how does it work? What are the principles of it? Some of the core principles of nonviolent communication is that everything that motivates us, all actions that humans do, are based on human needs. Mm. Uh, these needs are, can be described as values, what we long for, what's important to us, what drives us. Um, and these needs are things that we feel in the moment. Mm. You know, so, so they shift. They are the same needs that, that we all have. So needs like significance or needs like wanting connection or wanting to belong. Validation. Yeah, to being seen, okay. to being heard. So, <laughs> so, so we, Just piping in there, so, yeah. in, in need of validation. Indeed. This is becoming very meta. Yeah. yeah, we all want to be seen and want to be heard. These are sort of basic human needs. And you know, so, and when our needs are met, life is wonderful and mm. we are happy. And when needs are not met, we are, we are likely to feel the feelings that are not so pleasant to feel. Okay. Mm. And so. Yeah, so what does can non-violent come into it all? What, what, yeah, could you explain that for me? So, yeah, so the word non-violent, uh, Marshall Rosenberg, who coined mm. the phrase non-violent communication as, and, and was the person that created the whole mm. um, teaching method and process of NVC, uh, was very inspired by Mahatma Gandhi, and nonviolence comes from the word ahimsa, nonviolence. 
there are three pillars of nonviolence. They're truth, love, and courage. Mm. So it's speaking your truth with care for the other person. Mm. Sometimes I can be really honest and say, uh, you don't look very smart today. The no, lasagna was I can rubbish. Say it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if I can speak my truth, so if mm. you ask me a question and I can speak my truth, but with care for you, yeah. and have the courage to speak it, then it leads to a different kind of connection. Mm. I have one question there, which is, um, without being too sort of reductivist, are there, are there words that you absolutely have to avoid if you want to be a, a good adherent to nonviolent communication? So the words are less important. In the beginning, okay. when you learn uh, NVC, you can't, it's, it's like uh, any kind of language. In the beginning, the words and the grammar and the syntax are important. But what's more important and what I really want to impress upon your audience that's listening is the consciousness of nonviolent communication and the energy with which you say the words. Mm. So I can say something really rude to you and you might end up laughing because the energy with which I'm saying it is very relaxed and, you know. Or I can say something really polite and nice and I can literally cut you with my words. So wow. it's the consciousness of yeah. wanting to connect with you and coming from a place that really cares for your needs as well as mine. So one of the principles mm. you, talk, you asked me earlier is focusing on solutions that work for both of us. Mm. So not getting my needs met at your expense, yes. but working mm. for something that works for you and for me. So almost like a good deal where everyone walks away with some semblance of what they want yeah. and need. Yes. Interesting. And it is possible when we take the time to connect. Mm. Yeah, could you think of any examples of just everyday conversations where, you know, someone who's done NVC would go about the conversation differently? You know, are there any kind of words that we might use on a daily basis that are perhaps more harmful than we realise or, or, you know, or cause more controversy and disruption than they should? There's no sort of rights or wrongs or should or shouldn'ts or words to avoid or words not to avoid. Uh, generally, uh, a an, an non-violent communication person, instead of saying, Ian, your, that was a really stupid thing to do, <laughs> would actually say what you actually did as an observation, so to take mm. out any kind of <laughs> okay. personal stuff, you know, yeah. uh, and, then, and then say, you know, what they want instead. Yeah. So, so give you a very clear, like take responsibility and give you a very clear idea of what I want instead of what you might have done that irritated me. Okay. So it's kind of forward thinking rather than dwelling on yeah. the bad stuff. And not using judgments, um, you know, ex expressing them at least as, as far as possible, or at least translating the judgments. Or if I am saying a judgment, I might say to you, Ian, I'm thinking this thing that is a yeah. judgment and I'm just going to give it to you raw. Are you prepared to hear it? And, you know, yeah. so, so, so there's not even a rule that says you can't express your judgments, but generally we, they yeah. aren't helpful. They make people defensive, so we avoid them. <laughs> Unless it's a relationship where you have that explicit. Yeah. In a financial planning context where you're meeting a client, yeah. how does that, a sense from what you're saying that there's, um, you know, a sense of equilibrium, you know, between two people where nonviolent communication is being used. When you're in a financial planning context, context where as an advisor, your goal is to help the client achieve their objectives, how does NVC come into this? Because it almost implies that because the process is client-centric uh, as opposed to having, you know, you don't sit in front of your client, you know, telling them about your objectives and how you want to go on three holidays a year and be able to afford this for your children and send them to If you're good, school. you don't. If you're good, you don't. Okay, <laughs> accepting that may be bad examples. How does NVC work when there is, a, there is a, a shift towards focusing on the client and the client's needs? Yeah, so I suppose uh, one of the things that I remind myself before a client meeting um, is, you know, I'm, I'm there to serve the client and mm. to listen to what their needs are. 
and then asking questions and really listening and really reflecting back and going sometimes one level deeper than where they are. So they might come and say, I need this. Mm. And then I'll say, oh, why do you want that? Or what, like, what, what is behind that? Or, you know, if they, if they come to me and say, I want a pension, I might take that conversation a little bit deeper mm. and really get them in touch with what they are wanting. And that mm. tends to then crystallize and motivate them very clearly. So they are very clear on what their needs are. Mm. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering whether there, it helps to have uh, it helps with those really difficult conversations. You would hope that as a good financial planner, you wouldn't get too many conversations where your client came to you and said, I want to invest all my money in you know, X crypto or I want to go high risk uh, overseas property developments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but have there been moments where you've had to have uh, what we might class as a difficult conversation with a client where NVC has come in particularly useful in communicating your beliefs about what the client should be doing with their money? Yeah. It's uh, NVC, I love difficult conversations because it gives me a chance to flex some of my um, skills, which sure. which I've taken years to, and I'm still working yeah, on. Sure. Um, one of the key things that NVC does help with is empathy and connection. And one of the places to start with when listening to a client in a difficult conversation is just hearing where they are and just making them feel that it's okay to be where they are. So they're curious about cryptocurrency or they want to put all their money into a property mm. investment. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing to be, like uh, I don't start with schooling them on what is the yeah. right way to be. Oh, it's God, just, un idiot. Yeah. yeah, it's just trying to understand, you know, what, what is that, the need behind that strategy of picking a property investment. Yeah. And then are they, are they open to other ways of meeting that need? Yeah. So their need, underlying need might be financial security, or it might be that they, you know, they want to have more work-life balance and spend time with their family. So mm. are they open to other solutions? Yeah. And, and they generally are. Mm, that's mm. very interesting. So it's kind of like getting to the heart of the matter, because when you said earlier about you know, taking judgment out of conversation, I think some of our, our harsher listeners might view that as very new agey snowflake stuff. <laughs> but if actually the main, the main aim, though, really is to actually have a more critical and honest conversation, isn't it? Yes, to have a more, and, and judgments are okay. So judgments are not banned in nonviolent communication. Mm. We're human, we're constantly judging and mm. without the ability to judge, mm. I might not be safe on the streets in London. But um, I suppose the critical, the, the important thing is not to, um, to make a safe non-judgmental space for the client to be. Mm. And often people are very ashamed of their money decisions. You know, I've had clients who are over 60 and who are starting their first pension and they can feel mm. quite ashamed and small about sure. it. So it's just making them feel like, yeah, it's, it's no big deal, you know? Yeah, and that actually touched on something we talked about before, which is almost the, the power relationship between the advisor and the client. You know, the client walks in, little knowledge, doesn't really know what they want to do with their money, might have a very basic transactional need to start with, whereas you obviously qualified in this area, know what you're doing. What, what is it that you do to kind of remove that element from the conversation? I use a lot of humour and uh, I, I bring my authentic self, which is another thing that NVC has helped me to do, is to really sort of accept myself and to be okay with who I am. So I show my humanity, I share some of the mistakes that I've made around money and you know, we all have our own our own journeys. We're all not perfect. So mm. so that helps me to connect with them on a human to human basis. Mm. And then yeah. Yeah, well I'm I'm actually quite intrigued by this concept of the authentic self. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you said beforehand that there's a, there's a lot to N V C. It's not necessarily always simple. 
but I've got to admit, I'm quite keen to get into the kind of geekier aspects of it. So, so what is the authentic self and how does it vary from what people put out on the surface? Um, my definition, and I'm not, I'm not like any kind of expert on authenticity other than my own journey with it, is that we all have our own habit patterns of the mind and how we habitually react to things. Mm. We are also extremely socially conditioned beings. We're conditioned by our culture, our school, our parents, our, you know, the people that we hang out with. And so to make a choice that is free and liberated from that conditioning and also to not be reactive to my normal habit patterns of if you say something to me, I, I hit you back. Uh, that's, you know, to, to be in touch with what's really going on in my heart in the moment, mm -hmm. so not from the past conditioning, is to me to being uh, is key to being authentic. Okay. I'm just wondering whether, um, you know, when you started getting really interested in NBC, yeah. um, was there something that, you, a particular bit of it that you found really hard or a particular sort of behavioural trait that you saw in yourself that was, that was tricky? Because I know that I've had, you know, conversations uh, you know, in professional context about presenting to people or particular habits I've ident identified in myself. I think, oh, I need to stop doing that. Or yeah. I'm finding it particularly difficult to leave that behind in a, in, a, you know, in a conversational context about something that really matters. Was there something at all that you struggled with at all? Or? Yes, there, there are four steps to nonviolent communication and I hope people will go and Google it and, and, and read this properly. And it took, like, takes two to five years to get established properly and understanding what this is. I don't want to put you off. <laughs> it's observations, feelings, needs, and requests. It's called OFNR. Mm. And requests is where you ask for what you want. And that's the part that I struggled with because I, um, I don't know if you've done the Enneagram, but it's a way of, it's a self-awareness tool and I'm, I'm an, a two on the Enneagram. So I like to help others. And I like to be the person that's rescuing everyone and, and you know, okay. but I'm not very good at asking for help myself and, and being vulnerable and taking responsibility. I, I'd like other people to guess what I want. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, and that was yeah. one of my stumbling blocks. So now I've become really clear and assertive. And How did you get over that stumbling block then? Was it just a, a case of trial and error or, you know, practice makes perfect or better at least? I just realized how much uh, pain I was creating by not being clear on what I wanted and asking for it and taking responsibility. Mm. So for example, even, even with clients, you know, sometimes I get frustrated if a client and email me back, but I hadn't necessarily clearly asked them what I want back and by when and whether it was urgent or not. So just making that explicit and making it a request, not a demand. Mm. So a demand can be violent because I'm not giving you, I'm not respecting your choice and whether you want to do it or not and being flexible with how you want it done. Sure. So I just say, I, I, I'd really like it if you could reply to me in a couple of days, it is urgent and I need this, you know, mm. things like that. Yeah, who could argue with that? <laughs> it sounds yeah. like there's a, there's a lot of self-awareness that has to come into this. Yes. And, and, and that really drives the the element of kind of self-comfort, comfort with the idea of one's authentic self that you were just just describing? There's a lot of self-awareness, yes, uh, self-acceptance too, like mm. being okay with, sometimes I'm perfect, I, I mean, I'm always imperfect and I'm, I'm okay with it. And also self-responsibility, like taking 100% responsibility for what you want instead of blaming the other and saying, you should have figured it out that I needed this and, you know, it's like making it explicit what you want. Mm. Mm. I was going to say, do you use this for all clients then, or, or is it just for specific clients? I suppose I don't necessarily use it. It's just a part of me now. It's okay. a consciousness. Okay. 
and some clients want to have deeper conversations about their relationship with money and you know I, I blog quite a bit about conscious money and so some clients end up having these really deep honest conversations and go and some clients don't want to go there so I'm very respectful uh, but I suppose I'm, I'm always trying to uh, you know embody the principles and wanting to be empathic and responding first with empathy when when a client mm -hmm. speaks to me so sometimes when someone says a sentence you know and they tell us about something really exciting like I went to this wedding and I had a great time and I'm hungover <laughs> and then somet sometimes you know instead of saying oh wow it sounds like you had a great time we just change the topic and talk about something else random which which mm. me makes the person not feel very heard yeah. So especially when mm. someone's sharing something with me that I can see is important, you know, I, I give them at, at least a few sentences of words or a nod of acknowledgement before moving on to the next thing. Would you be willing to give a spot assessment of Ian and I right now <laughs> on the quality of our communication? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds fun. Be, be, as, uh, be as honest and authentic as... Be, okay. be honest about Ollie. <laughs> you know, what are the things that we could do to improve our communication? Uh, it sounds to me like you have this really playful, easy relationship with each other. I suppose I need to go with you to lunch and see how you argue about Tesco's versus Sainsbury's. That's when it all comes out. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. <laughs> it's the disputes over the uh, the pesto baguette or the uh, the, the gaspacho Yeah, that's, that's not this again, right? We've done this too many times. <laughs> Anything else that you can kind of... Uh, you can yeah. you can see or comment on. I suppose why like why do you want the gazpacho soup and why do you want the you know the other thing? Because it's a superior option. Ah. <laughs> well, I think that's Ian being very authentic. I I would yeah. say that <laughs> I would say that I would opt for that out of a desire to be seen as sophisticated. Okay. Because I might be I might be insecure about that. Okay. Uh, Self awareness. Yeah. Well, just one thing I would note, just in return, I you strike me as someone who's very relaxed. That you, that, and actually, that's a physical thing, that you seem very relaxed here and now. And I, I'm very interested in this interplay between, you know, self-understanding the psychology of that, but how that actually affects you physically, because that does have an impact on how clients behave and open up or or not when you when you have meetings with them. Yeah. And I wonder whether you notice, you know, physical behaviours as well, just as much as a result of NBC. Is that the case? As a result of NVC, I, I definitely focus more on what's happening in the moment okay. and on being present. Sure. I think the, the ability to be present is really important if you want to see a client and hear a client and respond to what they are with. Mm. So, and being relaxed helps because it puts the client at ease. I think as the advisor, again, you're in, in this power over situation sometimes where you know more than them and they're coming to you for help. Mm. So, so being relaxed, I think, helps you know, helps yeah. me connect with myself as well as me connect with them. Have you ever had any days where you felt like, oh, I didn't, I really didn't do NVC well today? Oh yeah, all the time. Could you give us an example? Um, <laughs> there was there was a time when a client said something to me that was extremely triggering. Um, okay. uh, it definitely felt like an attack, okay. and I lost my balance and had to. Um, exit the meeting and I didn't exit it as well as I could have. Okay. So that's sort of one, in my, in my experience, once in the last few years. But I was, um, I was able to call someone and reach out and get support and then email her later and explain. So, you know, it, it, wasn't, 
it wasn't the way I would have chosen to handle it in the moment. And I did the, and I also understand that, you know, in every moment we're always doing the best we can with the resources we have. So I was also kind to myself about how I handle it. Mm, okay. Seems like there's lots of food for thought here, generally, not just on the financial planning yeah. level. Yeah. Well, how, how has it affected your, your planning? Yeah, what, could you list two or three things that, that you do differently now, now that you have the MVC background and have kind of, you know, read up on it? Yeah, see, I thought I was naturally very empathic, and I am, um, but I was doing a lot, lot of things wrong as a financial advisor. I suppose I would talk too much in meetings. I wouldn't necessarily always listen to a client or let them go where they needed to go or be silent when I needed to be silent. Mm. So those are the things that, you know, the soft, like this, this really small, it seems almost insignificant and you couldn't observe it if you try to watch me in a meeting. But there are huge shifts mm. that I've made. And th another thing is like not telling my own stories when a client is sharing something with me mm. and not making okay. the meeting about me, making the meeting primarily about them but also sharing my own humanity in the process. So not being like this extremely stilted, you know, like a, yeah. like a, like a therapist. Oh, you, you, you. It's very natural. Mm. Well, it's mm -hmm. interesting stuff, isn't it? Because a lot of the IFA community, you know, they're ex-sales people, they're big characters. So I imagine people that might be prone to talking about themselves a bit. So yeah. it's, it's a different approach, I suppose. I was going to say, is there anything else you've, you've kind of picked up on besides that as well? Any kind of... I don't know, any kind of like rules or guidelines that you've perhaps got in place for yourself that help you follow these, these lessons? I suppose one guideline is to be really honest and to say upfront when I meet a client, you know, what I also want from clients. Mm. Um, mm. So it's, it's the client has, so let's say the client is coming to meet me for the first time and interviewing me to see if I'm, I'm the right fit. And then me also saying these are the things that I look for in a client and these are the things that make our working life wonderful and some clients just can't do it and so they don't make very good fits for me. Is that about commitment? Is there some statement in there maybe, I'm not sure how you would put that across, but you know, I've, I've, I've read um, you know, documents of commitment, so to speak, where you, you, know, you go and see a professional about something and they say, well, you know, in return, I would expect this of you. And it's sort of bullet points where you say, well, you must be completely committed to this process. You must yeah. be this, you must be that. Is, that the, is, it, is it something similar to that or is that what I've just described, is that actually too aggressive? I noticed you're, <laughs> I noticed you're smiling there, and I, I wonder whether, you know, whichever professional it was that, uh, that I'd come into contact was actually getting it wrong on the MVC. I think, I think if you've had a good conversation with a client and they are committed, that's why they're sitting in front of you and it's their money and it's their life. Yeah. Uh, I don't have, no, no, there's no bullet points. I, the only thing I say is that I don't enjoy chasing. So if you're the kind of person that wants me to be mm. old school, like a salesperson, like chase you down mm. all the time, that wouldn't work. I prefer an adult, adult relationship where I ask you once, maybe if you need a chase, I'll chase you once, but I don't, I don't expect to do, you know, that, that doesn't work for me. Is the chasing thing a product of, um, where people might just want, they want to feel needed, they want to feel as though people are coming to them uh, for answers? It could be a number of things. I suppose people get busy in their own lives and sure. they don't always have a system of tracking emails and okay. you know, filing them to respond. But um, let's say I have to meet a client for an annual review and you know, have to, now we have to meet them like there's a deadline. Yeah. And if they take more than, more than the time, then it, it creates stress. So, so just explaining again beforehand, you know, this is how I like to work and it would make life easy if you did it this way. But if you're the kind of client that, I mean, generally, it doesn't even have to go into a conversation. Generally, there's like this chemistry and this 
this dynamic that works and I'm really honest about it when I don't have it. Mm. And it's, it very rarely happens, but there has been one time when I said to a client, I don't think this would work for us. And, you know, you're best off looking for a different financial advisor. Okay, interesting. Um, I have a final question, but I just wondered, Ian, whether you have any, anything more to ask. I think my question before you chip in with that one it would be, you know, for advisors that are listening to this and thinking this is quite interesting, what, what's your kind of sales pitch, if you will, to kind of convert them to looking into this more deeply? That know? was exactly my question. Well, how about that? <laughs> Telepathy. Telepathy in the studio. Absolutely. Clearly. So, so yeah, I asked it first. It's my question now. Uh, <laughs> Ian, Ian has owned that. <laughs> there's, there's no, like... There's no way that I can describe how invaluable nonviolent communication has been to me in my life. And the relationships that I have with my clients are really fulfilling and really enriching. I think what NVC would do to help financial advisors is really learn what empathy is, mm. learn to be in the moment, learn to have presence, and learn to listen deeply for what's really going on, what clients really want, what's important to them. And that's invaluable in our business. It's all about planning and goals and, you know, values and mm. putting your money into your life. So mm. I'll put a slight spin on my version of the, of, of the question, um, uh, just to avoid duplication. Um, <laughs> if there was one thing that you could recommend for advisors who might be interested in NBC to do as a starting point to enter that process of learning and self-understanding, what would it be? It could, albeit, you know, could just be Google it or buy this book or buy nonviolent communication the language of life okay. by Dr. Marshall Rosenberg and Google Dr. Marshall Rosenberg on YouTube. There's a three hour and a nine hour video. A nine hour video? <laughs> wow. Well that's tonight sorted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're good starting points. Excellent stuff. Um, sadly, I think that's all that we've got time for yeah, this week. I think so. But my thanks to Ian and Claire no, for, for coming in. Thanks for, for being here. Um, join us again next week for another episode of Planning People. But in the meantime, don't forget to check out our back catalogue on SoundCloud and indeed subscribe on iTunes. So until next time, thanks and goodbye.